Hey, Augmenters. Today we are talking with Ellen Prinellis. She is a senior vice president at Comcast within their communications department, and most importantly, maybe an old college roommate of Julie's. So how much fun did you have talking to Ellen about mentoring? It was amazing. It was amazing. And and she, you know, as we both had said, we'd really mentored each other. We've been very, very good friends for a very long time and have showed up for each other through a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, she runs uh, the comms group uh, in HR, internal comms for, I. there's like a bajillion employees there, probably not a bajillion, but somewhere around that tons and tons and tons of employees. And her opportunity to really showcase, you know, as an SVP, she is a Korean American woman. And something that we've talked a lot about over time is how, you know, how representation shows up in the workplace. She shared the story of her mom who helped run her family business. Uh, I love her mom in Maine. And, uh, you know, just seeing a woman at a leadership position within a very small organization impacted her and had helped her to feel that she could show up, you know, as a leader in her organization. And I know I definitely felt that way. My mom, as I shared, started her own business many, many years ago off her kitchen counter, which she'll always talk about. And it was huge for me. That's exactly why I started my own business, because I saw a really powerful woman have an opportunity to really create her life how she wanted to. And I feel really grateful for that. So I loved how she brought that that story. Something about the mompreneur has a lot of power behind it. It was really fun to share that uh, with you two as well, as my mom has been running her own business for, oh, almost 40 years now. Uh, what's interesting, though, is how all of these mompreneurs weren't necessarily intentional initially in that, oh, I am going to do this so I can show the next generation to potentially do more or be unencumbered from whatever pressures that normal society would have. Obviously, it's different from me. You know, I'm a white male, but still seeing my mom run her business, that gave me a lot of options for flexibility. But I, now we need to be more intentional these days about not just, oh, it's great that it worked out that Julie, Jimmy, and Ellen had mothers that were running their own businesses. We need to be really clear that, you know, it doesn't have to be the status quo of people in power, classically white men, who are then trying to represent or show a path to people that don't have the same experiences as them, don't have the same culture or race or gender. So some of that power of communicating the need for diversity and variety of experiences to really kind of, I think, bring together the equality and inclusion that everybody's talking about these days. Like we need to be intentional about this. A hundred percent. And I think what Ellen brings, is really the corporate environment, right? Like you and I are entrepreneurs. Our moms ran small businesses. Her mom did too. And what happens in the corporate environment? Because a fact that I love to tell everybody that very few people know is that less than 1% of women-owned businesses make it to a million dollars in revenue. So a lot of these ladies are starting these businesses, but they're not getting into huge positions of power, which I know is really changing. Um, and then once you get down to black women and you get down, uh, you know, it's it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So outside of, you know, creating our own businesses, having sustainable income for ourselves, how are we able to present this representation in the corporate world? And that's a huge piece of mentoring. I mean, obviously, we could spend a lot of time talking about this, and we will, uh, just based on how important it is. But 
I think just even starting this conversation with somebody who is at such a senior level in such a large organization is really exciting. And I think we're on our own journey. You know, Jimmy, you and I, as, as white people, you know, who have been very well educated, had a lot of privilege. How do we show up for this? How do we show up and empower others and get out of the way so that people can can see all the different opportunities they have and make sure that those opportunities are real and not just, you know, thinly failed of like, oh, yeah, sure, wink, wink, you can get here. And then not actually giving the same support, the same resources, the same education, the same mentoring that we might have been able to experience just because we had we were growing up in solid zip codes with great public education you know, there's still, and hopefully through all these different communication tools, like our conversation with Ron Johnson, where digitally we got to bridge that digital divide and then reach out to people who are different, find that connection and, you know, be able to connect them to people to show them that, hey, anybody can be in power. Anybody will want to listen to you, but you need to have a support system. You can't do this on your own. And uh, hopefully, you know, we can be a small part of helping people connect to others that inspire them. And you and I talk a lot, a lot, a lot about humility and a lot about talking about what we don't know. So I think you and I are both on our journey for this and, and we're, we're really open about that. So without further ado, let's jump into hearing all of what Ellen has to say and, and uh, enjoy. Here we go. Ellen, thank you so much for hopping on with us. I... We have known each other a very long time, so long. I don't even think I can count the number of years. Let's not count. Let's, let's not count. Let's yes. just let's just live in the moment. Yes. You have inspired me forever. Uh, you were probably my mentor in college because you actually got your work done and you inspired me to get my work done. Otherwise, I would have been, God only really knows what I would have been doing. But um, we've obviously known each other forever. I'm so impressed with everything that you've done in your career and how you have really... Um, You've, you've shown up for so many different people in so many different ways and how you've really grown within your organization. They're so lucky to have you. So we are lucky to have you on the podcast to chat with us today. Oh my gosh. I don't even know what to say. Well, right back at you. I, I, your name has come up a lot as I was preparing and thinking through today. So uh, you're one of the most special people ever in my life. I think I've learned more from you than many, many people. So it's the same. I, I can't, you know, we're, we're here. It's, it's like a little bit of love that's this, happening. Right. In this moment. Happening. Yes. Yes. And Jimmy just gets to hang out in here. And, and, and yeah. we love Jimmy too. We love Jimmy too. <laughs> Jimmy's now. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be the, the quiet third wheel. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right. You, you and I have been through a lot and, um, it's been amazing. And you are amazing. Look at you. I mean, this is, this is incredible. You're like a true entrepreneur. I, uh, I, I appreciate you saying that. I think uh, Jimmy and I talk a lot about the fact that entrepreneur is sort of a loaded term, but I think if you are, you just kind of can't not, yeah. like not really an option. So it's like you're calling it's right. Well, and I think for me, the thing that I've been really inspired about in the work that Jimmy and I have been doing with this, um, and, and the other work that we do, it's really about like great relationships, yeah. creating these great relationships, which is I think why we can create these consulting businesses where you have an opportunity to really develop great relationships with uh, our clients um, and help really solve their problems. So that's what I find inspiring about any of the kind of work that we're doing is ways that we can have these, these relationships. So speaking of which, obviously we'd love to hear a little bit about you um, and a little bit about your sort of mentoring journey. 
Well, I've had a lot of, I've been really lucky. I've had a lot of mentors through my life, mentors that I didn't realize were mentors at the time, right? I think there's lots of different types of mentors. We can talk about that. Um, But so I, I, I'll be honest, I never could have imagined, like literally couldn't have imagined me being where I am. Like when you and I were thinking about what's going to be our job when we graduate from Tufts and no idea, right? Um, if someone had said, hey, you're going to be an SVP of, you know, at, at Comcast, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I, I can't even imagine the pathway to get there. But it's actually because I've had great mentors and great sponsors, and they are a little bit different, but great mentors along the way. I think my first mentor, and I know this is a lot of people say this, is, is my mom and dad. They ran a small business. And um, whether I liked it or not, I worked there when I was really young. And anything from the cashier to cleaning the shelves to stocking things. And, and what kind of, of a stuff. store was it? It was a TV and appliance store back when um, those actually existed. Um, now you just have Walmart and Best Buy and that kind of thing. But it was a small store. And um, I got to watch how sales works, how invoicing, how to run a business, uh, how to manage customers. Um, so it was it was pretty cool. And I saw my mom. A, a woman helping to run a business and make decisions. Mm, that's so interesting. I feel like um, Jimmy, we could probably like do a deep dive on that, but how many entrepreneurs have parents who are entrepreneurs and mom, and especially, you know, my mom obviously is an entrepreneur, right? right. Jimmy's mom ran, ran her own business. Like yeah. I think that's really impactful. Totally. And that's an example where representation matters when, you know, people talk about, how important representation is. That's a, an exact example of why it matters. Yeah. yeah, it's to be able to see that. And I have to be honest, I benefited from your TV, uh, your, you, your parents having a TV <laughs> store because way back in the day, you were the only person with a TV in Carmichael Hall at yes. Tufts University. And when I didn't feel well, I crawled to your bed That's and true. watched soap operas. That's true. And it was a TV slash VCR. Whoa, Not built in. Yeah. Yeah, I was the only one who had it. Yep, exactly. This is all in one. Totally. It's high tech. High tech. Um, But yeah, so what I, I mean, one of the things as I was thinking about today was, you know, mentors are, I have so many different kinds of mentors, right? And there are mentors I think that you have for work. I think I also have mentors that play a particular role where they help me bridge life and work. And that's a really special kind of conversation because it's about how to make sure that work fits into your life and not the other way around, particularly, I think, for working parents and, and you know, working moms. Um, and then I think there's mentors for just life, which is how to be a better mom and a spouse and a parent and, you know, a daughter and a sister and a neighbor and a friend. And you learn that along the way, too. And that I, I think that's the most important group and probably the, the one I've learned the most from Julie. Oh. That, that's my long game, Ellen. I'm just here so I can become a better parent like Julie. True. <laughs> totally. That is the most important thing. And all the other stuff has to fit into your, fit into that. So when I think about mentors, I think, and I mentioned this earlier to you, which is, you know, earlier in my career, I never would have imagined I could be a mentor. I just didn't think I had the street cred. I didn't know enough. Like, how could I tell someone else or give someone advice? And I think you just learn a lot that you don't realize along the way. Um, and I think at the end of the day, mentors are here to help someone match their skills and interest in the situation, help people, 
I think two, understand maybe how to think or see something a little differently. Right. Mm. And so, um, just to bring a different perspective, um, to the situation. And then I think the third is to have it be where it's a two way, right? Like mentors and mentees actually end up learning from each other. And that's where the sticky relationships happen. When you have that opportunity to be able to show up for each other. I mean, right. I think something we've always talked a lot about too, is how much we learn from the people that we mentor. Right. Because especially just from the aspect of going across generations and you're, if you are potentially mentoring younger people, they're yeah. bringing a whole different perspective. Even as we're talking about totally. this well-being and how important it is, you know, for them, it is different than it is for us. Yeah. Um, but I really love what you said about representation. That's really like sticking with me already in this part of the conversation and about having those role models um, ahead of you that help you be able to identify how you can see, you know, you really have somebody in front of you that can really help, help you see how you can show up. Yeah that way in the workplace. That's really, really, that's a great way of thinking about it. I hadn't thought of it that way before. Ellen, I'm curious when you, you said you you initially thought you didn't have the street cred to be a mentor. Was, was there some, like it sounds a little bit like imposter syndrome in a way of that, like, how am I prepared to do this? How did you first feel comfortable getting over that hurdle? Like, was there a situation that just naturally occurred? Was there something like, you know, in a more structured setting or, you know, how did it become comfortable to you? So I, I, I don't think it ever, I don't think there was like a moment where I was like, oh, now I feel like I can be a mentor, right? Um, I think part of it's age, right? Like over time, you just see things a little bit differently. And particularly for me, um, I just got to a certain point a couple of years ago where I just felt really confident in my career and, and it uh, sort of where I was. And so um, and, and the realization that mentorship doesn't have to be formal, right? And it doesn't have to be official. And mm. when I look at most of my mentor or mentee relationships, they're completely informal. Sometimes there are mentors that don't even know they're mentors to me, right? And, but who I emulate or I learn from or I take cues from um, or I take notes uh, from. Um, and I think that's the same for me where people you know, when I just sort of grab coffee with folks and like, Hey, you know, it's really good to see you. And you just like, enjoy talking to someone and they end up asking you a few questions here and there. And and then before you know it, you're like actually acting as a mentor to them. So I think again, for me, almost all of my relationships, if not all of them have been informal and they've just grown that way over time. Right. I've had something to share with them. They've had something to share with me. um, And it's just been more natural. We love specific stories. Do you have any kind of a specific story about a particular I man besides me and my awesomeness? Which yes, I appreciate, that's true. But we don't want to get too many stories. specific stories. Right. Okay. Not on not an RPG podcast. Okay, got it. Um, I remember. So I've had I've had a lot of great mentors. So um, one of them was a woman named Celia Wolf, who I worked for. Um, it was a startup company. It was I was trying to get in really it was, it was like right in this this when the bubble was almost bursting and I was like so desperate to get into the the, the bubble in the tech startup world. Um, and I made it in for about six months and the company went under. But for those grand six months, um, there's a woman there, Sally Wolf, and she taught me so much. It was the first time that I was in a company where there was a true, like fairly large leadership team, even though it was a startup. It was um, you know, maybe like 75, 100 people. Um and she showed me and talked through some of the 
decisions she was making with the leadership team. It was the first time I got a sneak peek into how leaders actually make decisions and the politics and the dynamics between the leaders and their personalities mm-hmm. and what drives them and what, what their interests are. Um, and I remember she also told me something that I still have, you know, keep today, which is, you know, you can have the best idea in the world, but it is meaningless if you can't execute it. And so that stuck with me because there's so much, so many people have great ideas, right? As you all know, which this is a great idea and you are executing very well. Um, <laughs> Thank you for the qualifier. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. You're, you're hitting both, both sides of that equation. Um, but it, it stuck with me because so many people are attracted to the shiny new object, right? The new idea. Um, and they sometimes underestimate how critical and important the execution, how you operationalize it, how you get it out to people, how you support it. All those pieces have to come true for that value to be created. And so that's a lesson from a career standpoint that I bring every time whenever there's a new idea, there's a new um, product or, or how to think about things. That is great. <laughs> I mean, as, as two people who spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs, I think both the great idea and also the execution, that is the magic secret sauce. Yes. Uh, and, and how is that kind of, you know, this kind of mentor that you said, a 75 to 100 person organization, how is it different at a much larger organization, like any current organizations you are at, but you have been through quite a few big organizations? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, so everything is, is always a little bit different everywhere you go. Right. And, and part of it is what's the culture you're going into and what, what do you bring to it? I think in terms of, um, uh, larger companies, mentorship specifically just means you have a lot more people, um, uh, to tap into, um, and that you actually need more people to tap into, uh, as well. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's even more critical that your uh, mentorship sort of your network is diverse. And I don't mean diverse just in terms of people of color and race and ethnicity and gender and so forth, but diverse in terms of experience. And so you got to have a range of folks in your network and larger companies, because there's so much more to figure out, you're going to need a lot more in smaller companies. It just means that you might have to look more outside the company than inside the company, but you definitely want to do both. Do you think that in these different roles, like having, you know, the cheerleader or like the specific like skill coach, do you think that the mentors in these situations know that they're the cheerleader for everybody when they're, when they talk to mentees, do you think it's that clear or could it really change from relationship to relationship? I think it, I think it depends, Um, you know, and, and I'm someone who really, so even if I have someone who I know is, has has got my back and is like, Hey, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you are short up in whatever, however I can help you. um, I still look for someone who's going to give me straight feedback, right? Because in order to grow, it doesn't really help you to just get compliments and accolades. You really have to understand where you need to change, mm-hmm. where you need to pivot, what your blind sides are. Because if, you know, I see so many people who have gone multiple years, no one told them that they had this gap or this thing they had to work on and that they didn't realize it. And then they wonder why they weren't advancing. Right. And no one told them. 
So it's really important whether they're your cheerleader or, or whether they're you know completely oblivious to your emotional state at any point in time that they give you real feedback. Real feedback. That's hard. It's totally hard. It's super hard. And I think um, the nice thing about a mentor outside of necessarily the managerial relationship yeah. is that it can be um, somebody, like you said, sort of from an outside can give you that kind of feedback and perspective, which I yes. think is less sort of charged, obviously, than coming from a managerial role yes. as well. Yes, exactly. And I think it helps mentors usually, you know, ideally it's, it's less about them and more about the mentee so they can ask more questions and be more probing and, and help the, the other person see what's happening. Right. So, but it's, it's very difficult. And, and that's often why you need mentors because managers aren't able to give that feedback or the feedback is interpreted by the individual in a certain way because it's hard because it's coming from their manager, whereas a mentor can give them that broader perspective and that perspective is so huge in terms of career. hundred percent. So how, how, how do you think you got to this level or, you know, relationship with some of these mentors? And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of couch the question by saying, you know, to get uncomfortable feedback, the person needs to care about you and see not necessarily something in you of themselves, but need to see a reason to actually, you know, do the hard work of giving challenging feedback and not having it just be kind of nasty. I used the example of my high school basketball coach. He would always say, you know, I'm, I wouldn't yell at you if I didn't care. Right. I would just leave the gym. Yeah. Uh, and so it, was there some way that you were able to show that there was a reason for people to care? Like, I assume you didn't show up and say, you know, I can help you with your next purchase of an all-in-one VCR TV. That's not the value you're bringing to these relationships. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, w- was there something that you found that helped people feel comfortable mentoring you without you having to ever say, oh, we're in a mentoring relationship? Yeah. Well, parents say that to their kids. I'm yelling at you because I care. Um, but um, Mike could say that to me. Yeah. <laughs> or the other way around. Or the other way around. Yes. So it's a universal truth. Um, there, we said it's it. Just because I love you, Mom. It's just because I love you that I'm so irritable at you. Um, yeah, so it's actually usually beauty advice I get. They're like, I just... You got to fix this whole thing. I'm just telling you because I love you, mom. Yeah, exactly. No offense. My no offense. Starts, with, starts with no offense. <laughs> no offense, mom. But da 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 da. Yeah. Um, which maybe my mentorship should start like that too. <laughs> hey, no offense, but you're really bad at this. No, that is not good advice. Don't don't take that. Um, <laughs> we just like I mean, I mean, it's a universal truth that as long as you say no offense, you know everything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all is good. Um, I would say a couple of things. One is um, when when I've gone into relationships, I've always tried to bring something to the relationship. So I believe, and again, we talked about this, it's got to be a two-way, right? So if um, if it's kind of a, almost like a cold call relationship, right, where I'm, I'm reaching out to a leader and introducing myself for the first time, which I've done that before, um, you want to, first of all, do your homework, right? No about them, know who they are, know what they've done, know what their passions are outside of their workplace. Um, I would also advise you to befriend their executive assistant, Um, not be like a fake friend, but like 
it's always good to have the relationship with their executive assistant because they're the protector of their time. Um, but um, reaching out and, and trying to bring something to them. So I have questions, right? I want to learn. I'm curious. And most people, particularly as they get older in years, they like being Yoda. And, and that was um, a quote from a guy named Val Nicholas, who I used to work with at NBC. And he said, everyone wants to be a Yoda, right? Everyone wants to impart their wisdom. I'm not talking about green and like funny hair, but like, you know, the wisdom part. Outsized jumping ability. Yeah. Outsized jumping ability and lives on forever in holograms. But besides that point, just the, the imparting wisdom, everyone wants to feel like they know something and to share it with you. And so you just have to be curious, but you also need to be mindful of their time. So don't ask for 60 minutes. If you ask for 30 minutes, take 25, mm -hmm. right? Make sure you understand they've got a bazillion other things going on in their day. So um, be curious, ask questions, bring something of value to them. So if you know they're working on a project or you know they're passionate about something or you know that they're exploring some area that's new, like say, hey, I, I saw, um, you know, in with these other companies that they were doing this, this and this. Or when I was in the group of the project that you're sponsoring, these are the type of things that, you know, the team is really motivated by and, you know, is kind of working through or you know, hey, did you know this is the insight that the nugget that maybe didn't come up in the executive summary that you saw, but is really important for you to know about how things are going. So bring something of value to them. And sometimes it's just, you know, particularly with younger people, they just know stuff like about technology and how people interact and like what the heck, how to use tech, TikTok and like how to make a TikTok video and who, who watches which videos and why do they watch them, right? That kind of stuff is super valuable to other executives who maybe are a little bit of a different generation. But I love what you're saying about it. This is something we've talked a lot about too, is that idea you always have to bring something. Like yes. you really have to bring something. You cannot just expect that somebody, you know, is going to sort of impart their Yoda wisdom. Right. And also the thing that we've talked a lot about recently is vulnerability and being able yes. to bring vulnerability to an to equation because yeah. you're, you're potentially asking for help some kind you want to be yeah. able to um you know without again going back to example of like no offense but you know i don't know you swear in meetings all the time you shouldn't do that which right. is like whatever guilty is charged oh my but, god how did you know i know exactly that's exactly what the problem is but um you know somebody to say like hey i'm having a problem you know if people are always offended when i'm in a meeting with them what is going on and like being able to be vulnerable to ask those kind of questions totally. um, to be able to get that feedback Yes. So that's that's really helpful too. Curiosity. Yes. Curiosity on both sides is critical. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. All right. Well well crap, I better be careful because I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> uh, but I, so on vulnerability, I you know, I feel this often and I'm I'm curious, like when you're going to ask for help, and though it might not be as clear as, hey, tell me what I don't know I'm doing poorly at. But when you receive feedback, sometimes you're almost too vulnerable. You've received so much, it's hard to even act next. You feel almost weighed down by all these things. Not just, I got to do my job, but now I have to improve on like myself while doing my job. Yeah. Is there a way to turn your vulnerability not into like a sponge, but almost turn it more into like uh, like something more powerful, like like a ramp, like, an, like a ladder that, that gets you moving? I think vulnerability is really, really hard. And, um, you know, for me, like I, I, 
it's better if I can prepare for going in. Like if I know I'm going into a session where I'm going to get feedback or I need to ask someone for a, a question about, hey, someone made this observation about me. You know, I need your help to, to think through it. And what do I need to adjust or change? So I need to it helps if I mentally prepare. Um, and it's all about this is going to help me grow. Right. And to your point, I think earlier about trust and someone's going to care about you the relationship you have with someone um, is really important. And so you got to pick and choose who you ask when you need need to be vulnerable, right? So you want to pick the mentor to go talk to who you know is um, going to give you real advice and real feedback and be real with you, but who also understands that maybe you're earlier in career or this is a learning and, and um, you know, you've had more of a rapport with, and so you feel you can trust the kind of conversation that's going to happen. I think it's, it just, it keeps going back to curiosity. You've got to be curious about yourself, right. And realize that there's other ways that you show up that you don't realize and your mentor, that's the, the, the beauty of mentors is they can help you create that picture that you maybe don't always see. Right. So um, not an exact example, but I was in this workshop once and um well, it's in many workshops, but in this particular case, <laughs> in this particular that one, that one, that one, the only one, the only one that I've ever been in. It was the best one. It was the best one ever. Um, but they they broke people into smaller groups, and they had uh, each group try to recreate um, a picture without speaking to each other, right? And uh, so everyone was like trying to, like, you know, drawing or drawing. Yeah, yeah. They had crayons. They had chalk. They had all kinds of things. And, um, so, so they, uh, so a picture was shown in the beginning, like, like it was a still from like fever pitch of Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore at Fenway park about the kiss. And they're like, Hey, everybody go draw this later. Right. Well, everyone thought they might've had the same picture, but they actually didn't. So okay. everyone thought the exercise in these small groups, cause they went to the small group and then gave everyone the picture. Right. Everyone thought the exercise was how do we collaborate more effectively without sort of ordering people around and delegating and do them in the traditional ways in which you communicate to get something done in a short period of time. Right. And that was somewhat part of the exercise. Then they brought everyone back to the larger group and they actually put the, the pictures next to each other and it made a bigger picture, mm. but no one saw the bigger picture, right? Because they weren't in the other group. Well, that's the value of mentors. Mentors are in all kinds of different groups, right? And they can see a picture that you can't always see in the moment. Whoa, that's a little bit of a mind blow. Is it? A little bit. The idea, I mean, it's actually such an illustrative, you're actually literally seeing the big picture. Like, I feel like that is one of the, you know, I hadn't thought of that phrase and that. Were you in a group of artists here? (laughs) I feel like it would just turn into like, oh, that's a really big blob, not a small blob. Uh, actually these were finance people. So no. Um, and they did, they did a decent job at each of the individual pictures. It was actually pretty impressive, which is like undercover uncovering other people's talents that maybe they never knew they had, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty spectacular moment. And you can almost see in the, in the room and there were about, I'd say there were about 60 people or so in the room. And there was sort of this aha pause when people saw all the pieces together and it, and, and the picture looked really different, right? So when you see one individual piece and then you see it together, it's like a completely different story. 
Total mind blow. That is actually a phenomenal exercise. Um, I think I will I will take back and use with my team because that is really the key thing. And that's a great way that mentors help you is looking at the bigger picture. We are running out of time rapidly, <gasps> which is which is a little bit traumatic. But um, I know one thing that we love to ask uh, at the end of our uh, time together is if you have any phenomenal resources, books. Mm videos, TED Talks that you often share um, with mentees. I'm not a well-read person, so I don't have... (laughs) I feel like it's pretty much... I mean, mean, poor reads are the best reads, people would say. (laughs) She just goes out for a liquid romance. (laughs) Oh my God, Julie, I have something to share that. Um, I'm on episode five. No. Um, um, So... So a couple of things. One, I actually, I just read um, uh, Think Again by Adam Grant, which I think is a great, um, a great read. It's super easy. I actually got the one which I didn't realize is in large print. <laughs> so it was even easier to read. But um, that's a fantastic book. Um, I, I listened to, well, I listened to your podcast. I listened to, um, oh my gosh, uh, I actually listen to a lot of podcasts that have nothing to do with work. Um, and a lot of the ones that are most interesting to me are how to be a parent to teenagers, um, which ends up also bleeding into psychology and social psychology. And at the end of the day, there's the functional and technical knowledge that you have to do your job, but there's so much of your job that is how to interact, mo- uh, influence, motivate, connect with people and so I think psychology and anything about social psychology is is super valuable. I'll, I'll share one last thing, which is going with the, the Val Nicholas again. Um, he taught. Um, we did this uh, program called Know Your Value. It was a really Know Your Value, and it was really about women in particular, but anyone um, claiming and being proud of who they are, right, and being really confident in what you bring to whatever conversation you're in and your place at the table. And so uh, it was about this idea of kind of just giving yourself some grace every day. And so he said, there's three things that he does every day. And I, I don't do this every day, but um, I do it often. He said, there's three questions. One is what's something that you've done recently um, or today, right? If it's daily that you're really proud of, that you feel really proud about, right? And that question gives you an opportunity to just compliment yourself, acknowledge something great about you, right? Um, The second question was, what's something that you did today or recently that you really wish you could have done differently, right? And that's an opportunity to just give yourself a little bit of grace. And then the third question is, why do you do what you do? And that's about resetting to your purpose. And your purpose might evolve and get more clear over time. Um, but making sure that you're always going back to why is it you're, you're driving? Why is it you should stay curious and be vulnerable um, and, um, you know, want to grow? So I, I love those three questions. I do that sometimes with my team. And so I thought I would share that with you. I actually ran through all three related to my karaoke performances last oh my night. Gosh, like that was, I had perfect. some proud. I was like, there's some things I definitely should have done differently. Mm-hmm. I would, I could go back and then also... Why? I don't know. That's a good question. Those are great. Enjoy questions. life. Yes. Yes. What do you think? I, I thought you were going to give us one song for each of those questions. 
That'll be in the show notes. <laughs> I mean, I, Ellen, I love how you said, oh, I'm not particularly well read. I just read the book by the uh, top rated Wharton uh, professor seven <laughs> years in a row. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's some other books, but I, I'd have to. I'm not. My memory is terrible, so I'll, I'll I'll send it to you so you can put it in the credits. But yeah, yeah no, that's okay. I mean, those three questions are great. That's a yeah. really really simple. I know there's simple. a lot of different ways to do it, but yes. I think that's a really really simple way to do it. Yeah. Any other last piece of of advice you have for our augmenter listeners about I mentoring? Have, I I maybe not so much mentoring, but I did have three parting thoughts for pretty much anyone. Um, but I think mentors or mentees. One is, even if you're not someone's formal mentor, like you could be early in career, doesn't matter where you are. And I wish I had realized this well before now, um, which is if you see something in someone that you really appreciate, tell them, right? Just tell them. Like if it's a cashier that just did like a kick-ass job at whatever it was uh, servicing you, if it's uh, the intern that sat next to you during the meeting who, you know, you know, ask some great questions. If it's a peer, if it's a leader, just tell them that you see something in them. And because people have done that to me and it's just taken me way too long to figure out how valuable that is. People see something in other people that sometimes people don't see in themselves. That's why coaches are, are, are so uh, influential teachers. So, Share, if you see something in someone, share it. Um, the second one is your reputation precedes you, good or bad, right? And so if not now, it will eventually catch up. So be a decent person, right? Um, and there is a quote of, of my boss now, Bill Strahan. He, he said, you know, the, the way people are when no important people are looking is how they actually are. So how they treat the person at the coffee shop, how they you know, treat the person at the grocery store, not just how they are in the meeting that you're in with all the leadership team. Um, and then the last one is, as we talked about, stay curious, be grateful, stay curious, um, you know, and quoting from a Dove chocolate nugget aluminum foil, quote, work till you're proud. How do you know when you're proud? That's a really good question. How do you know when you're proud? I think you do. I think you get to the point where where you know that you can reflect back and sleep well at night feeling like you did your best, which actually made me think a bit of her first point, which is around really just sharing um, perspective with others and making sure others feel that you know how valuable you find them and be really specific too, you know, um, just being able to be really specific with that. So I think yeah, not that general, proud. not that general BS, right. Of just totally. like, Oh, thanks for all you do. Great. Like you worked hard today. Okay. No, it's great. And honestly, it made me think too, you know, how much I appreciate you. And actually, as we're talking about um, representation, you know, I've always just really appreciated. And I know I've said, shared this with you before, how much you celebrate, you know, strong women leaders. It is just one of the many fabulous things about you and also what a great listener you are. And um, yeah, those really specific things and how you can, you know, identify those in people and really help them continue to grow. So that's my main takeaway. I think you'll feel proud when you're really showing up for people. I think just as part of being a human, when you are helping others, because we all evolved to be part of this group, 
when you feel like you're part of others, when you feel like you are nurturing others and others are nurturing you, you're going to feel proud. And I think there's something about like, even you just giving really specific compliments, even if you only seem to focus on like Heather, my wife, she loves to focus on the graphics and text and fonts. So like literally if there's a great font out there, Heather will just say to random people like, oh, wow, it's a fantastic font. Where'd you come up with it? And of course the person's like, ah, font, what are you doing? But it just at least shows there's some, that some attention to detail uh, behind the compliment goes a long way. And, and I wonder, as I was hearing Ellen, I don't, she didn't mean to say this, but she said in her second point that your reputation precedes you. And, and really, you know, that decency about when you're interacting, there's always the joke I, like that people would say when, when you're out there dating, like watch how whoever you're on your first date with interacts with the server or the bartender it goes a long way. And it was funny that she mentioned coffee shops and grocery stores. I was like, did Ellen prep and know that Julie was in coffee shops and that I was doing demos in grocery stores nonstop? And you see such a range. And it's funny, like you suddenly, I'm not Jimmy the human anymore. I'm just a dude saying, do you want to try some free snacks? And people treat me so differently. It's really interesting. And we all still experience this and have struggles with, Hey, you know, if you're walking through a city and somebody comes up to you and starts to ask, it's hard to know what that ask is about to be. And especially as we're coming back to our metaverse and being online, that becomes sometimes harder. But it was it was interesting about just decency, like giving somebody a chance at the jump and and seeing them for who they are. And it reminds me of our episode right before this one, a couple episodes ago uh, with Patrice talking about the five minute mentor. And I think that really follows you as you show up around that follows you everywhere you go. And actually going back to our our last season, Lorna uh, always talks about that idea of imagining having a video recorder behind you everywhere you go. And at the end of the day, would you want somebody to watch how you acted if a video recorder followed you around all day? So these are just amazing life lessons. I loved having this conversation with Ellen. I think the re- reminder of why this representation is so important, why DI is so important to be part of mentoring, um, it all just comes back together. Do you think that if Yoda had a little audio device recording him and played back, or Yoda, they, I'm not sure how Yoda <laughs> identified, but uh, uh, that if Yoda heard the way the sentences he, he created were that he would have changed his speech. Cause everybody wants to be Yoda as Ellen told us, everybody wants to be able to give out wisdom, but you know, do, uh, do not try. <laughs> well, Jimmy, I'm going to give you a task. Uh-oh. Your job is to get Yoda on the pod. Okay. You think I could get the person who does the voiceovers, like the squeaks that Grogu does baby Yoda in the Mandalorian. I think you can do anything you set your mind to, Jimmy. Do not try. (laughs) Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Well, with that, please visit our website for more interactive content at augmenters.us. Please like, subscribe, and most importantly, share our podcast with someone that you care about. Feel free to drop us a line. You can reach out to Julie and I directly on LinkedIn, especially questions, suggestions, whatever you'd like via email, hi at augmenters.us. Or find us on your favorite social media, at Augmenters HQ. If you want to help Julie and Jimmy in our mentoring journey, then please subscribe, because we all should ask for help. Thank you to our producers, Erlen Cato and Sean Omendam.